We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 54 of the pod. We coming or coming to you uh, a few days tardy here. Uh that's on me. You know, some, I'll wear sometimes that. I was just about to I was just about to send you out to the wolves, Matt, because it's the scheduling conflicts are ninety nine point nine percent of the time my fault due to time change, due to my very fluid schedule. Well due to just uh, both of us living on different ends of the completely, country. Completely much. different ends of the country. <laughs> But this one we put on your shoulders. This, this one's on me. Um, I'm not going to get into it too deeply because I don't want to rise the blood pressure uh, too much, Joe. But let me just say for all for all you younger listeners out there, especially who are going to be moving into apartments maybe somewhat soon, mm-hmm. moving is awful. Moving's awful. Don't Let's do die. it. I can confirm. Don't can confirm. Do just just live just live with your parents. And uh, I'm not I'm not asking you to put your your new address out there, but folks, it'd be really nice, you know, our our, our committed listeners. If you want to send Matt a nice housewarming gift, it, it'd be very thoughtful. Sure. It'd be there. We're not frowning upon that here no. at the pod, but uh, Matt, we have plenty to get to. Whether you're recording from, uh, as you, you said, your parents' you know, house, I'm, I'm the literally new recording. I'm literally recording a podcast from my parents' basement, so I'm not sure I'm allowed oh, to make say, fun of people for recording from their parents' basement because that's what I'm doing. If I'm, you I'm recording that's a podcast, legitimately what you're doing. So if I say it would be better if you're doing it, if, if you're take, doing it from like your old bedroom or something, no, like posters of uh, posters of Vince Carter on the wall and whatnot. Well, my old bedroom has now uh, it's now a shared bedroom. Uh, my, my my mom has my uh, my lovely niece uh, a couple days a week, and and that bedroom has now been turned into hers. Well, so, you know what? Chalk that up as a W. Now. Chalk that up as a W because my old bedroom is currently an office that doesn't get used even. It just looks better as an office. Well, it's so, true. Uh, Offices look yeah. better than bedrooms. I, I think. I think my parents. Uh, I think my parents have had it with me. So, so my but, takes, uh, if my takes get a little bit hotter today, I apologize. It's strictly no, understandable. And today. and Matt, Matt, we're going to need that because usually, you know, we're we're talking draft today. We're talking playoffs, and, and when we're talking draft. In the past, and I know we only have the precedent of one podcast, gotten a little heated. I have no complaints. Just a gloss on None it largely all, huh? here. I, you could nitpick here and there, but if I'm going to slap a grade on the Bears draft right now, it's an absolute A. They filled needs at no point that I feel like they di- diverted from the grand plan, the larger plan of filling those needs. I feel like it lined up nice for them in certain situations where not only were they filling their needs, but they were also getting the best available player on the board. And you don't see that very often. My draft draft grade right off the bat bears a a minus. You know, I, I'm right with you at least for those kind of first three picks because I'll, if we're being totally honest, that's really all I know all that much yeah, about. I would think. only people that we've uh, seen substantial amount of the fourth of round, on. the fourth round pick, the dude out of Western Kentucky. It seems like pace went a little bit safer with a guy he could have gotten later but uh, from, from mm-hmm. what people were saying it seems like a pretty high floor kind of guy that at the very worst could be an effective special teams player but maybe a little bit early for a fourth round pick but again that's that's kind of nitpicking at this point um i love that ryan pace i mean we, we talked about how in, in the past he's drafted some project type guys some guys who take years of development i think mm-hmm. ryan pace showed in this draft that he believes his team's ready to 
not not win a Super Bowl, obviously, but you know, compete in this division contend, and, compete, and contend for win a division. Spot. Yeah, he, he yeah, went they, out. He got three guys who are ready to step in and play. Uh, you know, week one, Roquan Smith is going to be a starter from day one. Anthony Miller is going to get a chance to compete to start. You know, from day one, James Daniels is going to get a chance to. He's going to get every chance he can to start day one. It's it's really up to him. I know they're moving him into guard, and a lot of people are kind of worried about that. I know I played at a much lower level than the NFL, but making the transition from center to guard is easier. I think it's the other way that, that's obviously a little bit more difficult. So I'm, I'm not all that worried about him him having to make that yeah, move. And I don't think that creates chaos chaos on the line. You know, you, no. you, move, you, you move white hair to guard. Uh, Daniels, I think they were talking about center. So they want to move goes. Daniels to guard, and then they want to get white hair back to center. It's weird. White, white, hair, hair, drafted, center. white hair was drafted as a guard. And then mm-hmm. they bumped him inside to center, and people. He started out a little bit rough, but he actually had a really good rookie season at center. And then he moved back to guard last year, and it wasn't as good as they'd hoped. So I, I think they they want to get him back in the middle there to center. Yeah, and I, I, we we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but another important distinction is they need to let these guys know where they stand, where they intend for them to play. We can't be playing musical chairs because the way I kind of saw it is you move white hair to the left side. Daniels plays center. Uh, you move long to the right side, and you, you run zone all day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, that's that's kind of how I had seen it. But you know how like I feel I said, about inside zone. I love I, it. I, I don't know if I do. I love but it. I love zone. I, I'd assume zone. that you like it. Yeah. I love zone so, blocking. Um, it, it should be interesting up front. They solidified themselves a little bit right there. As you said, we don't know much about you know, this. The seven through four in the. In the seventh round mm-hmm. with our uh, sixth pick, it was uh, Javon Wims, the wide receiver out of Georgia, because there's just a pipeline from Georgia right to Harris Hall, apparently, these days. Hey, uh, it, in, in, so far it seems to kind of work. Take those Floyd's SEC right. players. I know I always jokingly say draft Bama, but largely the SEC is the – and this is a conversation for another day. Is it the most competitive – uh, division is it the most interesting division? Is it the best? Is it the best division in football? You can answer all those different questions different ways. But is this where the prospects come from? Yeah, I, I think. I think yeah, the, the star prospects. It, it's hard to miss on a superstar from the SEC. I mean, I, I'm yeah. sure me saying that some like, there's probably an obvious one that's not coming to my head right now. But for the most part, that's usually the safe bet. And Ryan Pace really had his choice of two of them. He could have gone with Roquan Smith. He could have gone with Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't mm-hmm. think either way anybody would have criticized him. Uh, both of those, I think, would have been home you run wouldn't have gotten You wouldn't have gotten an A- from me with Minka Fitzpatrick. Really? I think that Minka Fitzpatrick's going to be really good in the NFL, but I also think that Minka Fitzpatrick is less day one ready than, uh, than Roquan is. I think he's less playable right now if we had a game today. I think that he's got at that cornerback position, not to say that you don't have a lot to learn at the linebacker position because so much is asked of you at that position. You're, you're essentially a quarterback on the, on Mm -hmm. the defensive side of the football. But I think that Roquan fits into the scheme nicely. Not to say that, not to say that Minka does it, but I think Minka is still a little bit raw and he always struck me as, and I know how talented he is, but he always struck me as a little bit undersized, I don't know his height and weight, but he's always he always looked slighter. He he isn't that he isn't that thick body that you're looking for on the defensive side of the ball, even at defensive back. I mean, we're talking about you're having to deal with corner, you're having to deal with wide receivers on the outside that are going 260, 250 these days. There, there's some big guys out there that you're going to have to defend. Yeah, uh, I I can see that, and I do think you, what you said about Roquan is right. He's definitely more ready to just come in 
right yeah. now, and not not that Minka Fitzpatrick won't be starting day one for Miami because I think he will mm-hmm. be, but I think Roquan Smith is, is a little bit more ready to come in, be an impact player immediately, and I don't think there's going to be too much of an adjustment period. I know he's a little bit undersized, but I mean that's the way the NFL and pretty much sports in general is going these days. You, you're undersized, you're a freak athlete, and you're fast. And he has mm-hmm. four or five speed coming from the middle. And we, we saw some of that speed on hand all throughout the year. I remember you know the, the Notre Dame game uh, stands out. I, I think he went sideline to sideline. Uh, sorry, to the sideline. I forgot who he made a tackle. I think it was on Wimbush, but I just remember seeing it. Very impressive. Yeah. And he's he's just he plays with so much speed and aggressiveness from the middle. And he's going to be a perfect fit in that three four defense. I know the comparisons have been made, but it's it's a lot like what Patrick Willis did in Vic Fangio's defense in San Francisco. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth because I think Vic Fangio, we haven't seen the best of Vic Fangio yet either because he now has tools to play with when you had a Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. They went to the Super Bowl. So I think that I think that Vic Fangio can now move his parts the way he wants to without having to worry about the you know the viability, the actual play of his of his players are his players good enough to be on the field is never a question that a NFL defensive coordinator should have to ask. I don't think he has to ask that question anymore. How excited does he have to be now, by the way? Because I mean, last year, well, he got a, I was reading, he got, he had a hole in one on the, the there, Wednesday before the I draft. I was a little bit more concerned. I'm, I'm hoping there was some wind involved. It was like, <laughs> it was like a nine iron from one twenty. All right, we gotta hey, we gotta be a little bit old, more. We gotta have a little bit more in the bag than that, Vic. No, he's an old man. Nine iron from one twenty. Get it up in the air a little bit. Let the man swing his swing, Matt. I'm just I'm just saying that was a little bit. Maybe I maybe I just hit the ball a little bit farther than I than, than most, Joe. I don't really know. Yeah, you're just you just you you hit the ball further than it's. That was an ice machine drop out there. Very unprofessional of me. Clearly. But, uh, we, we, this is a professional podcast, Joe. And now you're throwing ice had, cubes into a cup? We just said, no, into a Yeti. It's not a cup. Oh, so, I, yeah, I didn't have Yeti a chance thing. to prepare my morning coffee, Matt. And I like to keep things fluid here on the Moose and Moons podcast. We walk around, we stand up, we stretch our legs. This isn't your everyday podcast, Matt. And, and, and you know that. Sorry, but I apologize for my, uh, for my pouring of, of coffee. Yeah, so that's As okay, we so completely... As we completely divert here and, and talk a little golf out of the blue, you got a big round coming up, well, Matt. Why don't you tell well, us? Or you say, had a big round. I was, yeah, I was going to say, this, the, the Vic Fangio golf talk was a nice little transition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> over, uh, what was it, last weekend, uh, myself, my brother Mike, my cousin Brian, uh, their friend uh, Connor Reel from high school, and then a uh, mm-hmm. friend of the podcast, Matt Seeger, drove up to Arcadia Bluffs. Again, Arcadia, thank you for the Michigan. call. Yeah, you were in Sacramento, Joe. It was we literally decided Friday night to go play Sunday morning. Well, all you got to do is ask, and you know you're going to get a no from me. But the ask is okay. What counts, from now on, okay? whenever I play golf, I will send you a text saying, "Do you want to play?" Thank you. Okay, thank you. Because I saw a picture. Does Reed listen to the podcast? Oh, Reed was there as well. Sorry, I forgot about Reed. I was going to say bad, exactly. Reed. I actually exactly. owe Reed. Uh, Reed is really the only reason I went because the uh, Reed and the other three went up there. Uh, was it Friday morning? To play Saturday, Sunday, and I didn't get an invite because they "quote unquote" thought I had to work. I didn't realize Reed was so up now there. You, now you know how it feels. Didn't realize Reed was up there, so I called him Friday night to see if he you know wanted to do anything, grab some beers or something after I got out of work. And he said, "No, you know we're, we're up in Michigan." He's like, "You guys should come up tomorrow." I was like, "No, I can't do that." Mm-hmm. And then I kind of thought, like, "Well, why can't I do that?" 
Yeah, I can and then do I that. got I got Seagert to pal along with me. We we drove the five hours up. We played. It was the number thirteenth ranked public course on Golf Digest, Joe, and it absolutely lives up to the billing. It was only ninety bucks because it's not oh. in season yet. Even in season, it's one fifty. But th- this Fantastic. course is in the absolute middle of nowhere um, yeah. in Michigan. But it is it it's unbelievable. You get views of Lake Michigan on all eighteen holes. There's a couple that go right along the lake. It is. It's unbelievable. If, if you get a chance to go up there whenever you're back here, if you get some days, it, it is an absolute must-play course for those of you who live in the Midwest. Nice little nice little trip there up to Arcadia Bluffs. I have some primo Northern California golf coming uh, later on today, so why don't we get this thing back on the tracks. Fired this 81, Joe, by that. the way. 81. You fired, beautiful. 81. Beautiful, beautiful early round for this season. That, much better than I expected. Um, well, I think this Bears draft is much better than I expected. It made me a happy man, Matt. You see that Good professional? Transition. That was that professional. Well, if you wouldn't have commented on it, we could have just kept going. But no, I wanted to. I was going to comment right on that either way. Uh, one pick that I was extremely happy with because it, it actually was it was made mention of in last week's podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, we had J.J. Stankovitz from NBC Sports Chicago, Bears Insider on. He gave us great insight prior to the draft. And if he you want to listen to it, it was almost like deja vu. He hit the nail on the head. He even had Anthony Miller on the Bears' short list of wide receivers that they wanted. And I think this is not only a great addition to the receiving core, solidifies the receiving core a little bit, something that needed to be tend to this offseason. It's also a declaration that Kevin White is gone. And also the fact that they didn't pick up yeah. his tender yesterday is another indication that, hey, Kevin White, why don't you go out there and uh, and take a walk? Why don't you go kick a rock and uh, and find find another job? Because this Chicago and football is not for you. Well, he's That's got one more. He's got a year left to prove it. I mean, yeah, but I he's re- he's got to. But now he's got to prove it. This isn't a situation where oh, if you're healthy, you're on the field. It's true. This it's is a like situation kind of, of oh, if you're healthy, you now have a chance to prove that you deserve to be on the field. Yeah, We're not true. in a situation any any longer where Kevin White has to go out there. We have no investment in Kevin White anymore. We're not going to pick up his tender unless he goes out there and has an all-world season and makes Pace decide whether or not he has a spot on this team in 2019, which is a a decision I hope he doesn't have to make. But uh, on the other hand, that means he played well. I was going to say, I hope he does have to make it. Yeah, but it's a catch-22 there, and then you overpay him, and then you got to get rid of other guys. I don't think Kevin White has long-term culpability in the NFL. If he doesn't get hurt this year, he's going to get hurt next year. He is injury-prone. We know that through four years of football. I don't need to see any more Kevin White to learn that, okay? So the fact that we now are in a situation where we don't have to rely on Kevin White, I'm a happy man. Folks, just just so you know, that that was not the airing of grievances. Joe Joe's not grieving no, that was Kevin just, White. The, airing of grievances is still coming up later in the show, but yeah, you almost got a bonus ooh, grievance there. Nice deep tease. Joe nice deep tease. really... Uh, <laughs> announces his true feelings on, on Kevin yeah. White. Yeah, we were, we were done on Kevin White. And the thing that makes me angriest about that is that was the draft. That'll forever be the draft pick that the Bears made in the first ever draft in Chicago and the first ever draft that I covered as a journalist. So I, I will never be able to wipe Kevin White clean from from this board. I will never be able to forget him. He's he, He's part of my history now, and it makes me even angrier. Well, yeah, Anthony Miller, like you were saying, Joe, I really like the pick. Um, I know he was in a pass-happy offense out in Memphis, but I think he was averaging something like 15, uh, 15 yards Good, a catch. I, I think that's the one reps. report that did that I, I did, I'll say I didn't watch a ton of Memphis football and then study his film. The mm-hmm. one knock on him that I did see is that he tends to sometimes be a little bit more of a, a chest catcher than a hand catcher. 
mm-hmm. which does worry me a little bit. But I, I, I do trust the the scouting department of the Bears and all that, and, and I, I, I'm assuming that's something that's not that big of an issue or can be coached out of them. But when you hear that about a receiver, I think that is the one minor red flag that might pop up on you. So now when we're looking at this wide receiver group, what are we looking at? Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, uh, and then – in, in the three spot, that kind of slot spot. I don't know where they want to play Miller. I think he's more naturally an outside guy, but you have Miller and then, uh, which we'll call it from Denver. Benny Fowler. Um, Benny Fowler. I, still, I don't think Dontrell Inman's hitched on anywhere. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in some capacity if nothing materializes and for him. I think, I think we're really going to see a lot of Burton split out a la Travis Kelsey is what yeah. we're hearing, is Tra- that they Tra- want to use him similar. He's a tight end, but he's going to be in a lot of receiving situations. He was in Philly, obviously. That's how they use Kelsey a lot of the times in KC, in the backfield. In, yeah, you know, look, look, at the su- look at the success that a lot of teams have had with that athletic hybrid tight tight end when you're talking about your Gronkowskis, your Wittens, your RIP, but um, you know a lot of situations where the tight, the tight end <laughs> – <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, the tight end, uh, the tight end position has evolved, and I think we're we're in a position now where our guy is on the curve of that evolution, no longer playing from behind. I'm no, just I'm an excited there. Bears fan right now. I just just get me to camp, man. I, I, yeah. get me to camp, and then let's just skip the preseason. I don't even want to watch the preseason because I know Mitch is probably going to light it up for a little bit, like he did last <laughs> year. And then I'm going to get really excited, and then there's going to be a learning curve come regular season yeah. time. So the expectation paradox. Just get me past. Just, just get me to get me to September 9th in Green Bay under the bright lights in Lambeau. Yeah, we're gonna wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a fun season, and a lot of the experts around the league have the Bears off season as one of the top ranked off seasons. I think the transition that they've made strictly from a roster standpoint is pretty astounding. Uh, you had guys tab that you wanted. You went out and got them. You stayed true in the draft, and you got a lot better without stepping a foot on a practice field. Yeah, and I think I, that's I, important when you're trying to go from the bottom of the division to maybe the top of the league. I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think they addressed most of their needs. I still think there's there's a need for um, an edge rusher, obviously. Uh, it, mm-hmm. you, you can't take care of it all in one offseason. Uh, and if the right guy wasn't there in the draft, then, then don't get him. I know people were saying Harold Landry out of B.C., uh, would have been nice with that second round pick, but at the same time, I know he's got a ton of injury issues, and he's pretty much strictly a, a pass rusher. They, they, a lot of people worried about his run stopping ability, um, and, and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's pretty early to, to jump on a, a second round pick for for a guy who's pretty one dimensional. Um, that guy will come, and I don't doubt that they have a plan to somehow figure that out. I think Aaron Lynch is their temporary band aid, a guy who's had um, some success in Vic Fangio's defenses before, who can kind of hold his own out there. They'll add some depth pieces and, and, and try and work this out either in season or next offseason. I think I think they'll get there. Matt, before we move on, let's move off of the Bears, but stick draft here. We gotta talk quarterback situation of the four top quarterbacks coming into this draft. Who do you think moved into the best situation that suits their game? You know, it's weird because when I first saw Josh Rosen to Arizona, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my god, that's a great fit. That's perfect. And then I remember Bruce Arians isn't in Arizona anymore. Yeah, I, I still think that's the best fit because I, I, think I do as well. I still think they have. A, I know they had a down year last year. I still think they have a pretty solid. Obviously, they have David Johnson in the backfield. They have a solid receiving core. 
Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with their offense. I, I don't remember who they brought on as their OC. I know they got the, the defensive coordinator from Carolina. I'm blanking on his name as their head coach. Um, but I think that's the best fit. I know it's a really tough division. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that's probably the most ready now, immediate success. Yeah, of type those fit. of those four teams, I think that I also think that uh, I've also been very high on Josh Rosen. Yeah, for, I think that a that's now. a good. I think that that's a good fit. I think that Allen in in Buffalo is a good fit. I don't think that them calling him the third string quarterback right now is a great idea. He does have a lot to to learn. Is that a good football team? Yes. Is it a great football team? No. I think that uh, the, if the Jets could have any sort of success and stop being snake bitten, I, I don't think that Darnold's a bad fit there either. I think that he could have some success given the right moving parts put in the right position. I think that the only bad fit is your first overall pick. It just looks it just looks like a miss. It looks like a big miss to me. I don't. I. I it, it's tough because it's so hard to. We don't really know who the Browns are yet. I mean, obviously they're not; they weren't good last year. They're on sixteen, but they have made some significant strides here. They do have uh, a, a pro, uh, an experienced GM running the show up there. And if that's the guy they think is their guy, I'm going to give them. It's hard to say. I'm going to give the Browns the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, um, but I can't. I, I, like I can't because you, of I, the decision making that went into it, Matt. If you think about it, you know that Baker Mayfield's going to be there at four. So you go to a pass rusher. You do. The Jets were not going to take Baker Mayfield. He was not the top-rated quarterback in this draft. And if he is, if he, if the Jets were going to take him, there are three other viable quarterbacks there. I am with that, you on that. that I would pick not. Four. If I was, Cleveland, I don't think Baker Mayfield was, was head and shoulders. I don't think Baker Mayfield was head and shoulders above these guys. Where you had to go get him at one. I, I think that the decision making that went into it showed just the complete corrupt thought that is going on in the Browns front office. You go get someone at one, you go get a pass rusher, you get Saquon, you maximize by getting someone else at one. And then there's obviously a top four in the draft, a top two in the draft quarterback, because you know, only one other quarterback is going to be taken in front of you, a top two quarterback on your draft board. And if you really think there's that big of a disparity between Baker Mayfield and the next guy, I think that there's a disparity between you and success. Got him. No, I I actually, (laughs) I don't disagree with her. I think we talked about that last week in the podcast that I would have not been taking, unless I was absolutely in love or there was a home run quarterback there, I would have been taking best player on the board at one and just whatever quarterback fell to me at four, because I think you're maximizing your value. Um, but at the same time, trade one, trade one and end up with four first round picks. Trade, eh, yeah, that wouldn't have been a bad move either. Um, but Do I mean, something they, else they, with well, one Baker Mayfield will be there at four. That's probably right, but they had to end. I mean, they had to end up. I mean, you, you have two top four picks. It's tough to trade one when you think you're getting, you know, all that two top five players in this draft. And I, I don't think I'm not, I've never been as high on Baker Mayfield, but I know some people are, I know he's gaining a lot of traction, all that stuff. So I don't know. I, I don't love the pick, but at the same time, if he ends up working out, he ends up working out. I, it, it's uh, impossible to tell right. until we, till we see, I know you said, talked about Buffalo and Josh Allen. I don't think he's the number three quarterback there either. I think actually what's going on there is exactly what the bears hoped would happen with Mitch Trubisky and Mike Glennon last year. I actually think they have, yeah. A legitimate guy who can go out and start 16 games for a season and not be awful. And A.J. McCarron, I think he's a very average NFL quarterback who's more than capable to start a season. 
Um, and I think they're going to just kind of let Josh Allen sit and learn for a year and then probably you know, hand the reins over to him. Yeah, and I think that the thing that sticks out to me, Matt, is the fact that last week we talked about how good teams minimize risk in the draft. Good teams maximize picks. They minimize risk. They go win football games. Cleveland went out there and did what they do and made the riskiest pick in this draft. I will say four. I know Denzel Ward would have been there later. But yeah. if they, I, I, Maybe I, with one of those other picks that you maximize if you trade one, but we're just spitballing now. I actually think that like, – I know they reached a, probably a little bit, but it's not like he, he wasn't falling out of the top ten in all likelihood. If they thought he was the best cover corner, they have really no help at the second. Yeah. I didn't think – like it was a surprise he went at four, but I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, that's an awful pick. It's terrible. Yeah, they probably could have traded back, but if the right deal didn't present itself and they knew they wanted Denzel Ward, I can't really fault them as much for that one. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I think the, the quarterback – issue at number one and not you know trying to get baker to fall to four or whatever uh, might, might be the big issue but the, i don't really have as much of a problem with their pick at four as a lot of people seem to yeah matt b- bonus buy or sell here Ooh. early on in the show we're hitting you with a Love bonus it. buy or sell just off the top of the dome here buy or sell the patriot rumors of moving up to two if baker was still on the board or is this just fodder uh i'm gonna sell it because as I, am i they, they I, didn't have the draft capital to do it they had two first round picks sure but they had late first round picks and their first round pick next year is going to be a late first round pick and the giants weren't going to trade number two overall for number 27 number 22 and then number 30 next year it's it, it doesn't it they would have had to give up four first round picks and probably three seconds and bill belichick's not going to do that yeah. i think he's just uh, trying to get under the skin of tom brady for coming out and saying you know pleading the fifth and all that working with belichick yeah. crap but uh, I bonus, bonus, bonus buy or sell the Cleveland Browns select first overall in the 2019 draft. Uh, I'm going to sell that. I, Ooh, as that. much as <laughs> as much as we, you're not a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I think they've put enough. I'm a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. What, oh, sorry, the the draft pick of Baker. Mayfield. I, I I just don't know. I, I think, think that in, for Baker Mayfield to have any success at the NFL level, he needed to go into a perfect situation. The Browns are just not that. The Browns are not a perfect situation. I still think he'll have have some early success, at least before kind of some teams figure him out a little bit more and there's a little bit more tape on him. And I do think they've actually done a decent job surrounding him with some talent there offensively. I think mm-hmm. they're going to win like four or five games, and I don't think that's going to be good enough to get you number one overall. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, Let's go it, talk it was, playoffs. Uh, Let's talk a little playoffs. Let's talk a little NBA playoffs. A lot going on out there. The uh, the Jazz draw the, se- the series even with uh, with the Rockets last night. It was an impressive showing by Donovan Mitchell and company. And uh, I don't know if it was something that I expected. I kind of expected the Rockets to roll in this series, but Utah steals one on the road, and we got an interesting one. If they had Gordon Hayward right now, yeah, imagine how good that. I mean, they're. This good. They're but what was fun, the what was guys. the haul for what was the haul for Gordon Hayward? He was a free agent. Or no, he was just a free he agent. Just left. Yeah, yeah I mean, they just needed if, to sign him. Yeah. yeah, if if he would have came back, imagine how much. I mean, this team's already very good, and I think they're obviously on the up and up, and they look like they're going to be a team as long as Donovan Mitchell's wearing a Utah uniform. That they're not going anywhere. But if they had that one-two punch, I mean, they they have as good of a big man, I think, defensively and rebounding wise, as, as anybody at Rudy Gobert. They really have all the tools. If they would have had another, you know, star type player in Hayward, they'd be a team that could legitimately challenge Houston in this series. I still think they might win another game and you know bring this to six. But mm-hmm. they're for real. If they can add you know another piece or two, they're they're a team that's going to be around for a little while and can give teams trouble. Yeah, and I think that I don't know just. 
zooming out and looking at this entire playoff situation as compared to a year ago, two years ago, it is so competitive. It is so interesting. The NBA, the NBA product right now is just on the rise. It is as good a as mixture. Fifteen years. You got you got Drake on the sideline arguing with Perk. Like it you is probably it's love real, that. It's reality TV mixed in with professional sports at the highest level. High stakes gambling. It's it, it's everything that you could want in in a playoff. It's everything you could want in a league. And this is coming from someone who has been a casual basketball fan in the past, and it's got my full attention. Like tonight, it's going to be appointment television to see if LeBron can once again carry his team on his back to go two zero over Toronto. It's going to be appointment television to see what Philly can do against Boston if they can draw, even if they're going to go down zero two and then have to go back home and take two. It's all very interesting right now. But at the end of the day, it looks like the Steph Curry led Warriors might be unbeaten. Yeah, I mean, I'd hate to say I told you so a little bit there, Joe. But it looks completely seamless. He's throwing balls in from the parking lot right off the bat. They're they're fantastic once again, and and people out here, the worry you can you can you can feel the unpuckering, the collective unpuckering of the fan base out here. They know they're good again. Yeah, I mean, I. I hate to say I told you so, but I think I told you not to worry when you were mm-hmm. a little worried. About two weeks left in the season, but I mean, mm-hmm. real bold move there, telling you not to worry about the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> um, Way to go out on a limb, man. Yeah, hey, you know what? Some people are a little bit too afraid to make bold, hot takes, and that's what I did. I said, don't worry about the Golden State Warriors. I think they're going to the NBA Finals. Who else would have called that? Thanks um, for clearing that up for me. But even those games, like I know they're going to win that series, but these games, like they're they're games in New Orleans, they're a little bit more competitive than they used to be. There seems to be more talent around the league just about yes. everywhere. And like like you said, these games are turning into appointment television because they actually like they actually matter again, especially out east. Like I would never tune into an NBA playoffs game, even in the East, until the NBA Finals because. Who cares? LeBron's going to go through everybody. Now I, they're going to mm-hmm. beat Toronto because Toronto is a bunch of choke artists. But at the same time, like I'm not for sure anymore they're going to the NBA Finals. Like I actually want to tune in and see and watch who's going to win Philly and Boston because I think both of those teams have the ammo to take down the Cavs if they get hot. And in the West, I think Houston can be challenged by Utah. I mean, they're so much more talented. But at the same time, James Harden has a pretty bad playoff history when it comes to you know big yep. moments. And yeah, Utah's it, a team who's not afraid. They're playing not afraid of anybody. They just went up against Russell Westbrook, and Donovan Mitchell killed him. Yeah, and I really think that this success in terms of the product that they're putting out there, that the league's putting out there, is not only a result of the amount of talent in the league, how well it is spread out, these interesting names, interesting players, but it's a product of the marketing of the players. The NBA has been freewielding with how they market these players, with how the fan, with how the spectator consumes the game. They're very lax with their with the TV rights and how things are shared on Twitter. They're everywhere. They're ubiquitous right now, and that's why we know these guys. You can talk about, oh, they don't wear helmets. You can see their faces. They're recognizable. Don't give me that. The NBA is doing a great job of making sure that you know who these players are and you want to watch them on a nightly basis. Joe, I'm, I hate to transition a little bit earlier here, but, but you set me up really well there. This mm-hmm. is speaking of marketing and, and doing mm-hmm. a great job marketing, one organization that I've talked about several times that does a terrible job of marketing that is continuing to do so, in my opinion, is the NHL. 
Oh, of um, course. We're, we're in the NHL playoffs, if you haven't heard. There what is marketing? More, there's more than one series going on, contrary to popular belief. The Penguins and Capitals is not the only uh, playoff series occurring at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I went on a little bit of a tangent about it last week, and Winnipeg and, and Nashville I are having one of the – I think anybody who – watches hockey or you know announces that whatever broadcast and analyzes it was saying this is going to be the series of the playoffs this has all the makings of you know two powerhouses going back and forth going seven through three games it's absolutely lived up to that hype it's been one of the most fun series in not only this playoffs but recent memory and there's no talk about it there's no buzz about it there's no nhl doing anything about it still nobody knows about any of the stars on this team because neither of these teams play in the northeast and nobody yeah. wants to market them. Instead of trying to create future stars, you know, uh, out of guys like Patrick Laine or, or Philip Forsberg or Mark, Mark Scheifele, they're still worried about marketing Sidney Crosby and Alex, Alex Ovechkin, who quite honestly don't need that marketing anymore. Everyone's going to mm-hmm. tune in to watch Caps Pens when they see they're playing in the playoffs. And then yeah. I, I see yesterday that the NHL is announcing next preseason they are sending, uh, they're having a preseason game in China because they want to, you know try to tap into to the Asian yeah. market. Grow wow. the game a little bit. You know, I, I wonder, <laughs> Joe, was there an opportunity to grow to, to grow the grow the game in the Asian market? Oh, I don't know, about you know, three months ago? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty Olympics. pretty darn good one. You know, what why not send out your star players to a to a market? I know it's for, for two weeks, but to a market where they're all playing and the yeah. in, it just the goes to show that the there's, no, there's they don't no real game it. plan there. There's they no game plan it. there. They're not willing to send their players to the biggest event in the world, but they are for a preseason game that doesn't matter. I know it's, you know, it's only here's an idea. Here's an idea. If you want to market these top three guys, top four guys, send them to the West Coast for some preseason games. Have them come out here play some hockey at a cool venue or something like that. I think that not to say that the game doesn't need to grow internationally, but I think before it can grow internationally, it's got to grow on our own soil here a little bit. And it is interesting. There is great hockey going on right now. And I've watched some of that Winnipeg series. you got vintage Bufflin there too. That's a, that's a Chicago time. Chicago storyline right there. Just dragging people around the ice and being a monster with that squeaky Kermit the Frog voice. He's he's fantastic to watch. He's a good time. You got a series that I've been pretty in tune with over here in Northern California between the Sharks and the Knights, and, and the Golden That's Knights a fun are just series. everybody's darling. It's going seven. Like it, it has they're, all they're, the makings of seven. Those two teams are just trading punches back and forth. Neither they are back and down to each other. They're, they're both playing in a really high, fast, Mark Andre hockey. Mark Andre Fleury is at a complete renaissance but martin jones is matching him on the other end last night jonesy 34 save shutout uh the night before that an overtime loss for the sharks the game before that a double overtime win for the sharks game one was a, a bit of an albatross with the seven seven nothing loss it just didn't come to play but this series has ramped up into a really high level of play and it's uh it's a lot of fun, and I, like I said, I think it's going seven. I mean, it, it seems like every year, you know, when you get to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's whoever's coming from the East, you know, whether that's Pittsburgh or it was the Rangers or Tampa, you, you've heard a lot about because the NHL does a great great job of marketing and, you know, advertising those players, those teams. And then mm-hmm. you kind of, unless it's the Blackhawks, you learn on the fly about the team from the West because you don't know too yeah. much about them because nobody wants to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Nat, like last year, people just found out how fun Nashville was to watch. When if you tuned into them in the regular season, and then the first round series against the Blackhawks, you saw how good and fun they were to watch. So, so is this breaking news on the Moose and News podcast that hockey does exist west of the Mississippi River? It it really indeed does, Joe. 
breaking. That's, that's breaking right there. Hit the that's ball. How, that's how you. Uh, that's how you get your podcast on the map. You break some news. <laughs> uh, Matt, uh, you know, I gave us a little uh, a little taste of a grievance earlier on, but uh, you have a, a much larger and important grievance for us here. I do. Hit the music. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Well, Joe, you, you touched on it with the the Angels. Uh, we, we teased a little bit of uh, what become, might be coming from your shutdown there with, with Mike Trout and the Angels. But I, I wanted to talk about a different Anaheim Angel who we, we've touched on something similar to this before, probably a couple months ago now, uh, end of last season, I think it was. But Albert Pujols is is four hits away from career hit number 3,000. Uh, and this is, uh, I, I'm not sure if he got a hit last night, so it might now be three. He did. He's three away. Okay, so three away now, excuse me. He's three hits away from joining a club that only Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and A-Rod are part of. And, and Bernie Mac. And, okay, well, no, no, you didn't let me finish. Bernie Mac didn't hit 600 homers. He just got three uh, hits. You're right, you're right. There, there's a lot more than four have gotten 3,000 3, hits, Joe. Yes. Um, Pujols is three hits away from joining the 3,600, 3,000 hit 600 home run club. Four yeah. people have done it, and I haven't seen – the only – really promotions I've seen about it are this article from Ken Rosenthal on the athletic talking about it. I mean, if this was, if this guy was playing, you know, in Boston or New York, it would be, you know, I, I feel like sports center would have had a countdown going on for a month now. I, I'm not sure if it's because he plays out West. I'm not sure if it's because, you know, with the, all the gray area from the steroid era that nobody wants to, you know, really make too much out of all these milestones because who knows what's clean, what's not. I, I don't know if it's because, you know, people still think pool says such an albatross of a contract, uh, I don't get why we're not making a bigger deal out of this. He's joining as, as rarefied air as almost there is in baseball. Uh, he's he's still a productive player. It's not like a guy like Ichiro who's just kind of hanging around for whatever reason. He's you know had twenty three homers, hundred RBIs last year, and nobody wants to talk about this accomplishment. And I, I think it's absolutely criminal. No matter what, I mean, people lauded a Rod when when he retired and kind of did the steroid thing. I know Pujols. Nobody really knows. I don't think he's been nearly as outed as guys like A-Rod were for mm-hmm. steroids, but there have been those suspicions. But at the same time, steroids are not 3,000 hits and 600 homers no. against you know pitchers who were on steroids. No, steroids are recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is an unbelievable accomplishment, and I, I think he deserves a lot of praise, a lot of credit. Probably the best, maybe the best baseball player, maybe the best hitter we've seen in our lifetime. Uh, and it's just kind of going flying under the radar here, but it, it's it's an awesome accomplishment. And I, I'm not again, not sure if it's because he's out west or what, but no one seems to want to talk about it for whatever reason. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame because his move from St. Louis to the West Coast is, I think it'll be remembered as a drop off as he was settling for a contract where his production. Has digressed a little bit, but who's wouldn't from where he was yeah. at his height? He still continued to do it at such a consistent rate. He still managed to stay predominantly healthy. He's been on the field for the better part of the decade, and he's been great to watch. He's been fun to to watch do this, and it hasn't gotten, like you said, the the shine that it deserves. It hasn't gotten the the public 
outcries, the public praise that it deserves. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this is another situation of a league maybe not understanding the best way to market the players. Is it hard to market a near 40-year-old? How old is Pujols? 36? Oh, he is uh, documented as 38. He's documented so, as 38. So I would say somewhere from 38 to 41 would be my, would be my <laughs> he guess. Can be, he's anywhere from 12 to 73, and we've managed to watch him play baseball for the better part of the decade, and it's been so much fun. It has been an enjoyment for any true baseball fan, and – like you said, it's it's an absolute shame that we're three hits away from rarefied air. History, Major League Baseball history doesn't happen that often, especially when you're talking about, yeah, you can put guys in, in groups of 20, 25, certain accomplishments, but a group of, you said, three, four, three. he'll be the fourth? He will be That's, the fourth Hank, with Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and A-Rod. And, like, take, take steroids out of the equation. If he did it, if he didn't do it, this man deserves our respect, and he's not getting it. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. But enough about that. Let's let's do buy or sell before I get angry again. Um, Matt, I, I also want uh, I, I want to drop this here. It's a oh. little bit more breaking news on the podcast. Look Bears uh, rookie Bears rookie numbers uh, oh. just just released. Roquan Smith will be wearing number 58. James Daniels will be wearing number 68. In a unfortunate turn of events, Anthony Miller will be wearing. Uh, Alshon Jeffries, seventeen. I don't like that. I guess I guess someone else had to pick it up anyway. It's just it's just my dad and every other like half blind sixty year old bear fan is got Alshon back on the field, and I'm not going to want to have to deal with that. So uh, he's wearing seventeen. Uh, Joel, can we say this last name? Igwe Booney. Uh, I'm not even going to pretend I, how to pronounce that name. I, I don't want to. Ike Boonway, Ike Boonway, 45. He'll be wearing 45. I like that. Ball Nichols in 98. Kyle Fitz in 49. Javon Wims in 83. So there are your new Bears numbers. Get to know them. I'm not Number sure how I feel about 58. 58? I'm not sure how I, I feel like about it. it. I don't dislike I like it. it, but I'm not sure I love it yet. I'll, I'll, I'm not sure I feel about it. See, it's hard now. If you want to be a linebacker for the Chicago Bears, you have to avoid all these historic numbers, most of which are retired, but there are only a f- few numbers in the 50s that are still out there. 45s are still pretty open, but 50 is more your linebacker. Um, Correct. Your linebacker grouping right there. And, you know, 57 is not a really good looking number. 58 is an okay looking number. 59 is not a great looking number. Uh, what, what are you going to wear? You can't wear 51. You can't wear 54. 53 is weird. Look, what's the, what's See, the I, best I, if look I were him, I think number? I would have gone 53 because the college number was three. Yeah, I think he played pretty darn well. And I, I'm not saying I. hate I wish they would have just let him wear the three. They, NFL. <laughs> I know the, of all these I think the NFL rules. has rules. Yeah, the jersey rules, and I want to see like, like, like an Oregon defensive end coming off the edge wearing number like four or something like that. I love that. Or seven. What was? Um, I'm trying to think of Eric Armstead wore eight. Stephon Tewitt at Notre Dame was number was number seven when he was on the edge. Yeah. I remember that. So Those give me, give me, give me big like single digit dudes with. Single-digit numbers with huge dudes in them—that—that's scary, you know. Can I, can I like can I can I ask you a question about jerseys, Joe? I, this this struck me the other day because you know, after the you know, draft night, right when your team makes the pick, usually uh-huh. I, I get an email, a promo email from the Bears, like, hey, like get your Roquan Smith jersey now. Mm-hmm. But like they're advertising, you know, Smith number one. Yeah. Why would you buy that jersey? Like I know p- um, apparently people do. Because they wouldn't be advertising, maybe. But why not just wait like a week until his actual gonna, number he's wearing comes out? I'm going to answer your question with a question. 
why attend an NFL draft and paint your face and scream and yell for a commissioner to come out and make a pick? And there's a chance you're not even going to see the player walk out on the stage there. There are a lot of crazy people. It's my point that are just that love this game that need just the, wait five minutes that need. Yeah, but they need the draft. They need the draft Jersey. They, they actually wanted the number one on the Jersey. They think he's going to be the next Dick Butkus. That's like, there's that person out there and I that guess. person buys that Jersey. Yeah. I guess. I just yeah. I don't see it. I wouldn't do it. Um, your your sartorial happenings sort of jog my memory here. We didn't do our our best and worst dress of the draft. What does sartorial um, mean? Of, of of fashion sense. I, I don't okay. know. Let me let me actually. I don't know the exact definition, but it's it's, you know it's of a fashion do? sensibility. This could yeah. be a new segment. Word of, just the, like, word of the week. Once a podcast, I ask you what one of the big words you say means, and you tell me. Because I'd Sartorial. say on average there's about Adjective. one word a week that I don't get. That you have no idea. Yeah, yeah that I just kind of well, brush can, off and pretend. We can do I that. Well, you stop me. You stop I me, will. and I'll either give you a concise definition or I'll look it up. In this case, I did both. Sartorial, relating to tailoring, clothes, or style of dress. I would not have guessed that. Exactly, exactly what I, I think I, I, I outlined there for us. But right. my best dress at the draft, and I hate to have to give it to a guy who went to the uh, the the dreaded Green Bay Packers. I thought Jair Alexander's look was great. He had the maroon suit on, and I know I've taken the three piece suit to task before here on the podcast, Matt. Yeah, he, he pulled it off. It was a low. It was a low drooping. Not drooping is not the word, but it was. It wasn't your classic. Uh, it wasn't your classic vest. It was a vest that when you buttoned up the jacket disappeared. And I thought okay. it looked very nice. I like the color. And he had I believe he had some cheetah print uh, some cheetah print loafers on. Oh, so you're, you're gonna you're gonna wear you're gonna wear a classic suit, you spice it up with a cheetah print loafer because I'm a bad man who runs low fours in the forty. So that's I like that's that was a, a nice touch there. My two uh, honorable mentions were Lamar Jackson in, in the green with Master the Gucci screen. print with a Gucci print on the shirt like that. He had the little uh, UFOs shooting out rainbows. That, that's a Gucci print right there. And Shaquem Griffith was also my uh, my other um, my other honorable mention. He was rocking the Capri length. Uh, just loved the jacket. The kid wears a smile better than anyone else. He looked great. So I, I'm, actually, I'm actually proud of myself because I texted you, I remember, one night, on draft night about one of, the, one of my, my better dressed people, and you agreed with it me. Was, you said Jair, right? Was, I, you know, said you liked Jair? I, said, I said Saquon. I thought Saquon. Oh yeah, no, it, Saquon it was, was a little bit nice. simple, but he had, he had you know, it was a it was a black tux with some sort of you know print or whatever it was on. He lost on, me on, on the, the shoes. He wore he wore a custom Air see, Max. Which, that's where I lost. Didn't I didn't look good. Yeah, I didn't see he lost shoes. me on the. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't was, see the it shoes. It was an like, all so. black Air Max with like the Air Max bubbles. The new one. It's a sharp shoe to wear with like joggers. Your your Jordan joggers, man. I'm wearing Jordan joggers right now. Nice, um, very nice. And then also, <laughs> you agreed with me on this one too. This one's off the radar. No one's talking about it. Shaq Griffin brought his niece and nephew with him to the draft. At least Ballin. Shaq Ballin. Griffin's nephew. I wish I could look half that good in a suit. Dude, that, that suit fantastic. was fantastic. It was like a royal blue suit. He had the gold tie. He had the brown mm-hmm. belt and shoes. I think it was. I think he had the blue vest to go with it. Which I know you're not a three piece guy, but I thought that color vest looked fantastic with the white kid shirt. Looked sharp. The kid looked sharp. Kid, kid looked, looked sharp. like he's going to be a first round pick in about ten years. Maybe he I will think be. my biggest, I think the biggest surprise for me was I really didn't have a worse dress. No one looked terrible. No one looked you, like they didn't belong there. The, you told me Josh, Josh Rosen, Rosen looked Rose, like my accountant. Yeah, I mean, he went super simple, and he was sponsored by JCPenney. You're not going to look like a trillion bucks. You're going to look like you got a suit from JCPenney, and it, it was poorly tailored, and it was bland, and he wore a navy tie JC with a navy Penny suit. JCPenney were looking a, for sponsors. And a white T-shirt. Yeah, 
it was um, it was very underwhelming. If I'm going to hand out a worse dress, there you go, Josh Rosen. Take that with you. As if he needs a bigger chip on his shoulder, the kid. There you go. There you go. Uh, that, is right. that setting us up for buy or sell? Is that what you uh, No, there? we're going to jump into the mailbag. We're going to jump into the mailbag first. Yeah, that's right. You said we were going to we were going to flip flop today. Hit him with a little mailbag. I did. I got a mailbag question from uh, from my brother Mike. Long time. He, he, he's first uh, time, long time. First time, long time. He's inquiring about wedding season, Joe. Um, it, wedding. It's, oh, it's May. Wedding season's coming up. He he asked for the uh, for the tip on what what's your go to menu item on wedding season. Usually you have the chicken, mm. the fish, mm-hmm. or the or the red meat option. I'm going to your, open your up vegetarian a bit. option. We got uh, yeah, 2018. Those, 2018. There's going to be a veggie option. Those don't exist. I know. Um, you got to acknowledge it. And if they do, they're a myth. Um, <laughs> and I just I want to open that up to. I want I just I want some tips. I want some advice on wedding season. Going to weddings. Being getting. Talk Just to me general, about wedding season. General Joe. wedding advice? Yeah. Talk to me about wedding general season. Wedding What's it, take me through your, your your wedding choices, your fashion options, your meal options, your dance floor. Like take take me through oh, everything. Well, you, the, you dance band, floor the, goes without, the, the dance floor goes without saying. If you've ever been in attendance at a uh, at a, a, a wedding that I was at, I've been I will, invited. I will not only set the tempo, I will maintain the tempo of the dance floor the you entire night. You will be the tempo. Yeah, so so that that goes without saying. That's that's understood. But uh, on the menu item, you usually go with the chicken because it's safe. Unless it, it's all dependent on location. All on um, the Joe, not only location geographically, Joe, I'm, I'm going to ask you to restart that answer because you cut out just a little bit. You, you said you you go oh, with I the apologize. menu item on location. Yeah, it, it's got to be all location based. So if I'm if I'm at a wedding in Montauk, or if I'm, if I'm up in the northeast, if I'm up in the northeast, <laughs> up in the northeast, we, another segment we go, we, helping Matt with geography. With geography, okay. If, if I'm up in the northeast, uh, or or even maybe if I'm coastal, if I'm coastal at a nice place, you we might take them. a chance. We might take a chance on the fish option because you know when in when in Montauk, as they say, you uh, you still you, haven't told me where you, that is. You do as the Montaukians do. Um, and it's that, that's what you do. If you want to go safe, you play the chicken. You, you always See, I think the if chicken. you go safe, you play the red meat. Yeah. But the red meat, if, if you give me a, if you give me a dry piece of chicken, I move on. It's not an issue. If you give me an overcooked piece of red meat, I think about that piece of meat for the rest of the night. We have See, a ruined wedding. You See, know? I'd much that, rather that, have a piece I'd, of a poorly cooked piece of meat of beef. That'll, that could ruin my night. I disagree because an overcooked steak, like it's obviously a lot chewier now, but it's still it's still red meat. It's still fine. I mean, if you get a dry piece of chicken, like you're drinking a sip of water <laughs> after every bite. It's of chicken. still red meat. It's still fine. That, yeah, we're putting that on your gravestone. That's fine. That, that, honestly, that's basically <laughs> father, how I live my life. brother, son. It's still red meat. Matt Rooney, your epithet. I I'm. I'm also a fan of the salmon option when it's out there at weddings. I, I'm, yeah, I'm a big yeah. salmon guy. I think salmon's a fairly safe but bet. I think if we, let's let's draw let's draw a parallel here. Sure. Salmon is not a. I think I think chicken chicken is your is your edge rusher. You know you're gonna go get your edge rusher or chicken's your offensive guard. Beef's your edge rusher. Chicken's your offensive guard. It's safe. Chicken's you know your Quentin Nelson. Ten years. He's your Quentin Nelson. You put him on the field. He'll play for the better part of it. So decade. you're saying steak That's is right Bradley there. Chubb. Steaks, Bradley Chubb. Steak is your Bradley Chubb. Salmon, salmon I think Baker salmon's, Mayfield. Eh, that's a stretch. Baker Mayfield is the veggie option. I think. I think <laughs> salmon. I think salmon. Salmon's is my your, Denzel your, Ward at number. Your jo- no, I was going to say is your Josh Rosen. It's a okay. quarterback. It's good. Not every half of the quarterbacks are out of the league in five years or less. It's going to be a risk. But your reward on that piece of salmon on your Josh Rosen could be great. 
I, that, I, that piece of salmon could take you to the Super Bowl. I agree. I, I honestly, I think I, I'm still debating on my menu option for uh, for my cousin's wedding coming up here at the end of June. Got to send the invite back in uh, about a week now. Well, over uh-huh. a week, I'm leaning towards the salmon option. Yeah. Well, I think that. You know, like I said, if you know the location, if you've been to a wedding there before, if you've heard about the food before, it's always good to have, it's always good to have some, some advanced scouting maybe prior to, prior to the draft. You want to have your board set up. Now I, I don't disagree, but yeah, what so. I do want to want to ask you about before we get off wedding season, just give me, give me mm-hmm. some fashion tips for wedding season. Cause I, I again, location based, I have okay. a wedding in November in uh, Myrtle beach. Ooh. And I cannot, I cannot wait. Myrtle Beach? No, Hilton Head. Pardon me, Hilton Head. Yeah, I was going to say Myrtle, Myrtle um, Beach. Yeah, we're we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to Senior Frogs for the wedding. But uh, no, it's in uh, it's in Hilton Head. And come on, now we're talking Hilton Head. November, you can get away with anything. You can go with a, a heavier weight. But we're in, we're still, we're in, we're in You're Hilton in South Head. Carolina. You go khaki. You go with a khaki suit. You go with a light blue. You get a little loose with it. Do you it's want a khaki suit? I own a khaki suit. Wow, it's a very nice Tom, Tommy Hilfiger khaki suit. It all it wrinkles very easily, so no one hug me, no one touch me. I'm just going to stand there at the wedding. It's, it's a handshake. Good, it's a handshake. It's a, yeah, a one foot radius yeah. at all times. It's it's a it's very Montauk, but it, it's not a it's not a. Uh, I got a Google not a, Montauk. I don't it's, know not, it is. it's not a it's not a tear up the dance floor suit, so we might not go with it. But you get away with more, is my point, at, at a different location or certain parts of the season. If you're. You got to think about a shirt for the for the church, a shirt for the uh, reception, and are we standing up? Are we in a tuxedo? Do we not have to worry about it? There's a lot of a lot of factors here, but if you're just a guest at the wedding, think light fabrics, think white shirt with a fun tie, because the white shirt's going to let you sweat incognito as the night goes on. I fun guess that's ties my a conversation starter too. Fun tie, yeah. Not, not I'm not talking now easy because I'm not talking about like. A silk daffy duck tie. I'm talking Obviously about like a not, pattern, Joe. a paisley, a flower, something. How like low that. do you think of me? Uh, I just I had a vision of your closet, and I saw a bunch of like tacky ties from the '90s that Mister Fennell would have worn. No, see, here's the nice thing about my, my tie wardrobe is that. Um, my father wears a lot of ties for work, obviously, and he he goes mm-hmm. through them fairly quickly. And I've got oh, and those are probably fantastic ties. So I got yeah. I got I got some very nice hand me down ties yeah. in the closet. A lot more ties than anybody those, in my line of work who never has to wear a tie for work should have. But those I have ties are just nice ties. riddled with wins. There's just wins. A lot, of, a lot of those, W's yeah. on those ties. A lot of <laughs> a lot of W's in those ties. Not in the pattern. So, uh, yeah, that's not your uh, tie is not your issue. But I guess if I have one piece of advice, summer wedding, wear a white shirt and have an extra one. Yeah, Boom. that's all I you got, need to know. I got the uh, for for Brian's wedding coming up here in the summer, Joe. I am standing in it. We got the uh, we got the all black tux. The all yeah, black tux, white, white black shirt, shirt as well. No white shirt. White, okay, white shirt. Coat, yeah, no classic pants, look. Black bow tie. Classic look. Um, now black, I don't know who's. I might need to I, FaceTime I don't know. you and have you help me tie my bow tie. That's I got you. I don't know, and that that makes me happy. A it's like tying a shoelace. I actually might that just, makes me. I might send very you happy that you're. That makes me very happy that you're going with the not the the clip bow tie. I think there's. I think that the clip bow tie is a very. It's it's tripping at the finish line. You can look great in a tuxedo, and I'll always know if someone's got a pre tie. I will tie. say I'm not 100 percent sure if it's clipped or not, but I just assumed. Uh, 
uh, if, if it is okay. a tie one, I'm sending it. I'll just get a go with the tie one. At least the groom, the groom has to have a tied bow tie on. That's that's a rule of thumb right there. Well, I will. Uh, um, I'll, I'll pass that. You along pass. To Ryan you pass that along. Awesome. You pass that along. That's sage right there. Okay. That's that's sage. Because so there Musso is there's a wedding advice. If you're getting, we come married, from tuxedo. We come from tuxedo royalty. The Musso family. We have a tuxedo shop in the family out in Elmhurst. Gentlemen's quarters tuxedos. No free ads, but friend of the podcast. It's the first time um, hearing of this. No, I thought you knew about it. You've never you, told your me prom, about I, I would wear a tuxedo to school to promo before prom. I wore a tux to school. I don't remember I actually got that. Sent, I got sent to the office in a white tuxedo and a bubblegum pink tie. It was hilarious. Um, I was in a full tuxedo. Did you wear that um, to prom? No, I wore – I went classic to prom, but I that's a conversation – the conversation for another day. I went I dinner wore, jacket junior year with the white. I you can't white. go full white. This isn't an I, I went white. video. I look good. I know. I went, I went full like, white. I look fantastic. No matter who's doing the tuxedos for the wedding, also, I suggest get everyone a backup shirt. You're going to sweat through it at the church. And by the time 11 o'clock runs, comes around, even not even 11 o'clock, by the time 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock comes around, it's cocktail hour. You just want a fresh shirt. See, here's about, the one issue I have with you, though. If you're not staying at the venue, yeah, we, this is this shirt. is all this is all logistics. You bring the shirt to the to the next venue the day before. The shirts are there. You meet the shirts, Matt. Let's plan a wedding. Damn it! Sorry, I just I, <laughs> yeah okay. You win. Don't get me into don't get me into wedding talk and not think you're going to get the the advanced book on it. All right. Well, and I know I want the that I was asking that yeah. wasn't me criticizing. I was literally Tuxi- asking where do I put the shirt? Tuxedo royalty. Let's go into buy or sell, Matt. What okay. do you say? Uh, yeah. Why don't you start us off? I'm still a little flustered from being yelled at. Also, I figured out my talk <laughs> is in New York. Yeah. Somewhere out there. Somewhere yeah. out there. Upstate. Yeah. Um, Hamptons. Hamptons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hamptons. All that. All that. Khaki suits. Khaki suits and those shirts, the shirts that are blue but the collar's white. That All right, before I'm, I hate, before I'm out I hate of my, that shirt. Before I'm out of my element here, Joe, let's let's change the topic. Buy or sell, uh, Matt. We've seen. Have we seen buy or sell? We've seen the last of Jason Witten playing NFL football. He's taking the role uh, with Monday Night Football. Is this a one-year broadcast role? I think there's still some left in the tank, or is he doing what few guys do and going out, uh, riding off into the sunset, more or less? I'm gonna buy it. I, I do think he's done. Um, because I think this offer was probably too good to pass up, and I don't. Was his contract yeah. up in Dallas? I don't think it was. Um, no, I think I think this is uh, an in-contract retirement. I don't know what he had left on the it's, contract. It probably wasn't huge annually the way they structure contracts these days. I doubt they backloaded Jason Witten. Yeah, so, so it's not I like it was. A, um, it's not like it was a free agency move, and he was up, and yeah. he didn't, you know, want to have to worry. But he, he no, they probably came back offered him. In Dallas they probably and, offered him uh, Monday Night Football. Probably offered him a number very similar to what he was going to make for running his head into people. This season. I thought I heard and, that uh, he got offered even more than he'd be making yeah, with, the, so with the Cowboys. So that makes sense yeah. if his career was kind of winding down anyway he doesn't think the cowboys are winning a super bowl this year i just uh, lost i just lost it. one of the best targets of the last seven years on the outside um i got a running back who can't stay out of trouble my quarterback seems to be good but did we see the best of them as rookie year there's a lot of question marks around dallas right now and yeah i think that was a very easy decision for him to make if we have seen the last of jason Witten, thank you for you know the contributions to the game because he was so much fun to watch uh, through the Tony Romo years. Obviously another guy who never got to the mountaintop, but definitely revolutionized his position in a big way. Jason Witten was a guy who every year in fantasy football, like early on, like five, I, oh, you five want, six yeah. years ago, seven years ago, you get, you get Jason Witten, you're getting the best tight end of the league. I had like, him a few times. Even, even the fun, last yeah. couple of years though, like 
we get to like the 11th round or so and be like, oh, Jason Witten's there? How, how yeah. do you fall this far? I'm going to draft him. And then I'd be like, I'd look at my starting lineup and I'd see Jason <laughs> Witten as my tight end and like the rest of it. I'm, like, oh, I'm looking pretty good. It's like, oh, wait, this isn't 2011 anymore. Yeah. He's, he's not producing. It, it, but I, he was obviously a very good player in his time and he's uh, he's absolutely a legend of the game. Legend in Dallas. It's too bad he couldn't uh, couldn't get a Super Bowl out there. But at the same time, he's uh, going to make a lot of money calling football and maybe even coaching somewhere one day. Yeah, you, and I mean, you're a Dallas legend. Open up a steakhouse. Couple of car dealerships. It's game over. There you go. <laughs> Hit me All back. right, uh, I'm going to stick with football if you don't mind. Okay. Um, I, I I hope you got my text because I let you know that I'm changing up one of my buyer sell questions to this. I like I like to just uh, play it from the hip. Did, did so. you see Josh Rose hear Josh Rosen's comments after the draft about falling about how you know teams ahead of him made you know nine mistakes? Yes. I'm going. I'm that uh, he he since amended it saying you know the, the teams that took quarterbacks were the only mistakes, but. Buy, buy or sell Josh Rosen's uh, comments. You, you like what he said. You like you don't think he should be that vocal in the media. What what are your feelings about Josh Rosen's comments? You buying them or selling them? You know, I am uh, I'm on the fence about this one. Whether or not I'm buying or selling, do I like it? Yes, but I also understand what it does. So I'm going to sell it because when you're a rookie, let's say quarterback, doesn't matter if you're a quarterback, wide receiver, if you're coming in, you're going to be a franchise quarterback, or if you're going to be a backup guard um it's good to learn and sit back you know that's someone else's team right now there are leaders on that team you have larry fitzgerald there you have other guys there that who, whose team it is right now and you immediately not only put a target on your back by saying this you put a target on everyone else on your team's back you're, you're bringing unnecessary attention negative attention to your team and a lot of people are going to perceive it like that do i perceive it like that no this is a confident kid who thinks he's going to be one of the best that's ever done it. And to be a successful quarterback, to get to that level, you not only need the work ethic, you also need that sort of thought process. But when that thought process comes out and starts being vocal, then you start getting into some trouble. So did I have a problem with him making the comments? No. Do I understand what it does? Yes. So I got to sell on it. Fair enough. I'd probably buy uh, simply because I feel stronger about how you – you, you said you don't mind the comments, you know, themselves about how he's kind of betting on himself, investing in himself, mm-hmm. and I, I, I like that attitude. I like how he's, you know, really being himself, and pretty much up to this draft. Uh, I know before the so draft, like he, he, he had some, that. That's fair. <laughs> he's uh, got like mush. He's got Cutler face a little bit. Not he does have. Like he Cutler, does have a little. But he doesn't have. Con- he doesn't have control of like the sadness in his eyes. Uh, I just. I. I he's been. He, he's been himself. Basically, throughout this entire draft, and he kind of had some, you know, even his head coach kind of bad mouthing him up through the draft. And he, once he finally started talking to the media, really hasn't backed down from anything. He really hasn't changed his tone. And I really like basically that he's coming yeah. off as exactly who he is and headstrong. And if that's a he, he's betting on himself, and if it pays off, I'm very happy for him. If not, then he'll go down as, you know, a, a fun quote that will get yeah. played a couple either way, times. But, we'll, either way, we'll look back on that quote seven years from now and it'll be topical in some way. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan Leaf is hosting like a Pac-12 radio show uh, on Sirius right now, largely because of all Because everybody all deserves the, fourth could, chances. Because of how big of a bust he was as a quarterback. So if yeah. this doesn't work out for Josh Rosen, he'll always have those comments. Yeah. So um, what did I do there? I sold. I sold. Yeah, you okay. sold. I bought. Uh, Matt, buy or sell, to take us back to uh, the association here. Ooh. Buy or sell, we've seen Russell Westbrook's peak both personally and professionally in terms of team success. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to buy that. 
Um, I, I think you've seen that it's hard for him to play with, with stars uh, that aren't, you know, Kevin Durant's caliber, mm-hmm. and stars have a lot of trouble playing with him. Um, I think for the most part, you saw Paul George. Paul George struggled this year. I think Carmelo is, is over the hill, so it's, it's hard for me to blame, you know, the struggles, his struggles on Russ, but I, I think he's just really hard to play with, and I think they had their chance when they had you know, Harden, Durant, and Russ. And, and I think that's by. I think you're still going to see Russell Westbrook personally put up insane numbers. But I, I don't think his team success is going to get much farther than, than the NBA Finals where they were at. Yeah. You know, what was it, I six think years ago, seven years ago? Uh, you know, I've always been the biggest Russell Westbrook fan and supporter and um, just apologist when he is doing questionable things, shooting the ball 100 times a game, whatever it may be. This playoff, showed him in a different light it wasn't as playful it was he was more of a problem and i'm not saying off the court but on the court it there wasn't the there was no cohesion and it didn't seem like he had any interest in even delving into it in the media and Mm -hmm. nor has he since then like it was just it was bad things are happening and we're denying that they're happening and we're going to continue to do it the way we're doing it. And it just didn't look like a guy who was willing to make any changes to have more team success. Yeah. He's going to be him and he's going to, you know, live or die doing that. I think in his playoff success, but he, he's kind of proved he's not going to change. Also happy birthday to the Brody Ray West. That's, that's Russell Westbrook's brother. It was his birthday yesterday. I follow Russell on Instagram. They're the funniest brother duo. If you don't follow both of them, it's uh, it's pretty funny. Well, that's but, interesting. Um, yeah, that's a birthday shout out to Russell Westbrook's brother right there. I'm sure he is a uh, a big time listener. Of the <laughs> a podcast. big listener of the podcast. Uh, right. Matt, we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast first here, and you are going to tie in both shutdown and buy or sell, correct for me? Oh, actually, was well, that was the one I dropped, Joe? I'm sorry. That was the one. Oh, okay. that was so when I was dropping. Drop. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm just gonna that. Okay, this, I was, this wasn't I, talked so, about so, in the production so, meeting. Well, I, I texted you if you read the text. <laughs> um, I. I I wanted to to get in some Chicago baseball. I thought that was a little bit more uh, irrelevant. Absolutely, always always Not relevant, irrelevant, more but, relevant uh, than than the uh, the West Coast stuff, which you're going to touch on. Um, but the, yeah, the we're, Cubs we're just gonna, wrapped well, up. Therein I think lies. It was, my, therein lies. Joe, can I can I talk, please? It's yeah. my buy or sell. Thank you. It's uh, they wrapped oh, up. You're a, buying or, wait, so you're actually giving me a buy or sell? Yeah, I'm just totally like, like I okay. just did. I thought that you were having me shut it down. Give me the you're, buy or sell. You're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> By the, the the Cubs just wrapped up. I believe it was a uh, seven game homestand. They went five and two, but mm-hmm. only I don't think they managed to score more than three runs in any of those seven games. Uh, Darvish also got absolutely blown up again yesterday. His ERA I think is now fourth worst amongst all eligible you know starters in the NL. Um, so so buy or sell the Cubs' offensive woes are more worrisome than Darvish's struggles. Um. I'll sell on that. I think that Darvish's struggles are more worrisome. Uh, and I know just last week we were talking about, or two weeks ago on the pod, we were talking about how it's going to take time for him to get used to a new place and how hard it is to transition. But I, you're seeing consistent struggle now. And that's not uh, that's not what you want to see. That's never a good sign. And I think that is a worry because you spent the money and you – have him slotted in when you're just jumping way too far ahead of yourselves when we're talking about the playoffs. You have him slotted in as a big piece of what's going to be a playoff push. And yes, he has time to get it right by the time he gets there, but I think that the Cubs' offense is more a matter of a matter of when, not if. 
I think that you Darvish is starting to lean towards that if not when a little bit more in those situations. So when comparing the two, I think the Cubs offense will come around and it'll be fine. But uh, the fact that they found a way to win five ball games when scoring, when having such offensive futility, it's I think that's a good sign. You got to you got to spin that as positive. See, I'm I'm going to go the other way there. I think I am a little bit more worried about their lineup because it's like last year. Uh, I mean, 2016 obviously it wasn't. They were pretty much great from from day one to till they won that World Series. Uh, but mm-hmm. last year was always very boomer bust, and that as we've seen in recent years, that that goes away in the playoffs. If you have a boomer bust type lineup where you're either hitting everything out of the park or striking out, uh, that usually tends to lean towards the the lack of success in the playoffs, the the failure at the mm-hmm. plate in the playoffs, and, and that's all they've done again this year. I, I know Chris Bryant's a great hitter, and, and Anthony Rizzo is going to come around, and I think you'll see you know the big bats for the most part will all, will always kind of be there. But if if they're this inconsistent come playoff time. I'm a lot more worried about that lineup because I think that pitching will be there. I think John Lester, while he's not an ace anymore, is always going to be able to give you, you know, six-ish solid innings. Kyle Hendricks looks like he's made for the long long haul. And if you Darvish is still your fourth, I, I, he's not going to have a six ERA all year. Uh, Jose Quintana's ERA is not going to be up where it is all year. Those will come down. I, I'm If this is the same type of lineup as last year going to the playoffs, I, I think they might be in a little bit of trouble again just because that lineup is so, so heavily, you know, boom or bust it's either out of the park or we're striking out mm-hmm. yeah it's a good point as well i think that in order for them to be successful they gotta have both going if you, exactly. if you want to win another world series so shut it down shut it all down shut it down shut it down houston we have shut down i've seen enough shut it down bonus by yourself uh, joe i'm going to talk to you about mike oh, Trout. bonus so oh wait so you're actually going to tee me up via buyer i'm going to tee i'm going to tee up for your shutdown here all right, so hit the shutdown music then. Okay. This was a this was a nightmare. This was, but <laughs> these podcasts usually are. Thanks for hanging with us, those of you still listening. Uh, buy or sell Mike Trout's home run last night. If you haven't seen it, by the way, go MLB.com or wherever and take a look at how far this ball went. Buy or sell, though, it actually went 524 feet. Uh, yeah, StatCast had it at 524 feet. I think the exit velocity was 116 miles an hour. I can and, do uh, that. I'm buying the fact that it was 524 feet because Mike Trout is now doing things consistently on the baseball field that we haven't seen before. He has a better war right now than Babe Ruth had at 14-1, and I believe he had a four, he's got a 14-6 right now this season, and it's kind of your, your most comprehensive statistic nowadays, and that's telling me that he's now in the fucking history era that we were talking about with Albert Pujols. He's doing things that we haven't seen before and no one's watching it because it's on the West Coast. I've been lucky enough to be out here now and, and watching it and it is in my time zone and it does make sense to be up that late to watch Mike Trout play baseball sometimes and it's it's amazing what he's doing. He's doing it effortlessly and I've never seen a ball jump off the barrel of the bat as quickly as it did in that situation. Watch his, even Pujols' home run last night. Watch Pujols' home run and then watch Trout's home run and they don't even look like, one looks like a pop-up, the other... Trout's, Trout's is a missile. Trout's look like 524 feet. And what am I, you're, I'm going to say to you that my eyes are more accurate than a system that has been developed to measure home run length. I okay. trust the eye in the situation In the situation that that system is maybe skewed or inflated for the fan to to be awed by by something greater more grandiose than it is god bless that's what baseball needs that inflation 
used to be steroids. If now it's it's a couple flubbed numbers on a stat cast, I know what I saw last night and it was fantastic. And if you haven't seen the Mike Trout home run, go watch it because it. it was 90 miles an hour over the meat of the plate and he made it look like better than batting practice. And the guy is so fantastic. If you get a chance, watch him play three innings of baseball and you're, you're, you're going to see something fantastic on the defensive side as well. Well, I think long story short in this podcast show, I think the theme is go watch yourself some Angels baseball because there's some pretty cool <laughs> stuff going. There, there, this, some, a very, this is a very pro Angels baseball. Podcast. There's there's some pretty cool stuff going on out there, especially with you know you're watching you know one at the end of his career, one just blossoming into it, but you're watching two of the all time best to ever do it. So. And uh, a programming note here: episode 55 will be taped outside of the stadium in Anaheim. So. Fair enough. You're gonna Let's get out do here. it. You're going to get out here for that? I can get out there. Yeah. I know it. I know it does a big ask, but it'll be there next week. It'll be our, you got, you, you booked Trout for the show? Uh, we're on it. My people are on it. So okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. That's a, that's a deep, 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 deep. Maybe, maybe a few years. Give us a few years here. Sure. Uh, but uh, that's, it has. This has been a fun one. Uh, that's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast, guys. Thank you for tuning in episode 54 as always we we appreciate your support your your listenership your viewership your if you patience will. And, for uh, waiting on to on us till thursday yeah and and you're welcome for those for those wedding tips for all those for those of you heading to weddings this summer uh, it's about to ramp up so enjoy wedding season and enjoy the podcast that's going to do it for episode 54 for matt i'm joe talk to you guys soon May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.